Hello, welcome to the Late Night Dilly Dilly, the Buddy Martin Show and podcast is on the air. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye! You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Welcome to the Late Night Dilly Dilly, the Monday after the big game in Jacksonville. Gather around, all you Gators, let's talk about this. What happened? Where did we go from here? And where do we come from? We'll cover some of those things tonight with you as we go over the post-game analysis, deal with it one time. And move on. I'll just say up front, my prediction was wrong, but I wasn't that far off. With 10 minutes to play, that game was still on the line. And had it not been for the injury to C.J. Henderson and the turnovers, and that's all part of football, by the way, it could have been different. But I'm not going to play. Could have, should have, would have. I'm not going to look for excuses. I'm going to say Georgia won the football game. Florida didn't get it done. But let me just say this, too. There's no shame in losing that game to Georgia. And we have to get perspective. And to get perspective, we have to look back and say, let's talk about last January, where we came from, meaning the fans. I don't mean we as the team, because we don't play for the team. And say that if you slot it like that and you look at it like a chart, like it was a stock, things are just about where some of us thought they might be at times higher and times lower as we got there. But the fact remains, everything is still in place except an SEC title game appearance, which, you know, really was a long shot at most. So you know all the math. You know all the possibilities of where we go from here. Can Florida win out? The important thing is here, and this is the biggest cliche in football, and it's so true, and Mullen said it again today at his press conference, and he says it every week. All right? It's how you show up for practice today. It's how you practice this week. You know you got Drew Locke coming at you. You know you got a decimated secondary. You have a challenge. How will you respond, and how good a team are you? So, disappointed though it may have been to many people, uh, I always like to take a little time after a game and think it over. I didn't appear on here over the weekend. I was at the game Saturday. As many of you know, by the way, 
and had a wonderful time meeting some of you people out there who came up and said hello. Quite a cadre of young people I was really fascinated to meet from Orlando and Jacksonville and Tampa. Um, and then to the press box, I got a chance to see some of my old friends like Vern Lundquist and David Moulton, and then watch a really good football game for about three quarters. And again, looking at the hole they dug with the turnovers and the injury, energies and, and the injury and what have you. And to be only down 10 nothing, as I tweeted, it feels more like 21 to nothing right now. So <clears throat> would we all like to have seen a W? Of course. Georgia didn't blow me away, by the way. I give credit to Jake Fromm for getting the job done, for taking him on the drive when they had to, and for winning the football game. But quite frankly, that was a beatable team on a good day when things went right. But things don't always go right, and that's what you have to live with. So that's that take. I'm sure you have many. Tonight we'll have Graham Hall, the Minister of Information, <clears throat> on the press conference today, the information about C.J. Henderson was good. He apparently is going to be ready to play. The secondary is very thin, as we know. That is a that is a, a position of all the players to lose. That was the worst one. <clears throat> and when it happened, <clears throat> he didn't get up after that tackle. I turned to the guy next to me who was from Tampa and said, this is going to be a bad injury. A bad loss. And I know this is a cliche because every time somebody gets hurt, a TV guy says, well, they sure are going to need him. They're going to miss him. But in this particular case, I said, I know what's going to happen now. I'm afraid they're going to have to go put people in that they really are. And, and you know what? And I got to say that uh, Mac Williams gave his best effort. CJ Mac Williams gave his best effort. But the fact is he's inexperienced. He's got limited talent. And he was covering some awfully good Bulldog receivers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, his best wasn't good enough, but it wasn't any one thing. It wasn't the crappy penalty they call for a first down, uh, which on the equipment, which I of all times to call that. I don't know really what happened there except what we were told. I talked to a former SEC official today. He's investigating that. It's just the timing of making that call. The, that, that penalty could be called probably once a game. Uh, I guess, or at least the, not the, the equipment, the way they handle it. You want to say to the young man, you know, you got to fix your equipment or you're going to get penalized here. And maybe he did. I don't know what he said. But whatever it was, Mike Williams didn't leave the field. And I know why now, looking down at his roster and seeing there was nobody really to put in his place because Henderson was hurt and he said stay on the field and then the officials didn't stop the clock. Mullen didn't want to burn a timeout. And then through all that, a penalty ensued. And it was a five-yard penalty, half the distance, actually. And it was a first down. Having said that, I tweeted this out, and I'll, I'll repeat it. Really, although it didn't produce the result that many had hoped, and Terry Bradshaw was among them very disappointed. He tweeted me or texted me after it. What a magnificent, that's not a word I use, very rarely, magnificent gallant effort by the defense on the goal line. You may look at it and say, well, they had six. No, they had like eight tries or nine tries because if you count the plays where the penalties were called, they stopped on them too. So I don't know what they did there, but that was a piece of 
of goal line defense like likes of which I've rarely, if ever, seen by a Gator football team. Six times technically more inside the one-yard line, and Georgia's big old offensive line can't blow them off a yard. That was great. And you like to think that's what you need to fire a team up. But sometimes it takes more than emotions. And in the end, uh, they had the mismatches in the Florida secondary they wanted. And consequently, the Bulldogs put it together and won the football game. So I'll say good evening to all of you, uh, to Jesse and Christine, complaining about Feinbaum. Don't get too caught up in Feinbaum. <clears throat> That's his shtick. He blows hot and cold on teams. He's never as bad as you think he is, and sometimes not as good as I think he is. But anyway, the point is, yeah, Feinbaum has some things that uh, he says, and it's his job to make comment, and he has no allegiance to any team, which he shouldn't. Uh, to Kyle, good evening, David, uh, Kurt. Yeah, I can't read all your comments. Some of them are very long. Uh, to Donald, Philip, uh, yeah. How about that? Jonathan Anderson says, coming at you from Japan. So I'll be put him up tonight, the first one. Good evening to you, Edward, Vanessa, Paul. Um, thank you for this kind comments, Paul Neesmith. I appreciate that. I think Paul might be the one I met. Paul, are you the one I met? You, well, your mom, who was such a nice young man? I don't know. I know your name was Paul. And uh, thank you very much. That must have been you, Paul Neesmith. Paul, it was so great to meet you, and thank you for the kind words on the show. I'm so impressed that so many people watch the show and care about it so deeply. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Roger, by the way, is checking in from Ningbo, China. Roger, always a positive note. Uh, and and like Lynn always sets good perspective. Lynn's very good about putting it up, and he didn't get too high and too low. Uh, he says, all is well, GNK. Poor execution. They gave the game away. I'm still not convinced the better team won. And I kind of agree with him about that. It was poor execution. It was a winnable game. Uh, I noticed that some people came out and made some comments Tommy Tuberville said he wasn't impressed with Georgia. Thought they were a very ordinary team. I kind of said that most of the year. Georgia didn't blow me away, and Georgia didn't blow Florida away. Florida swoons were self-inflicted. But look, give Georgia the credit. They took the ball and rammed it down their throat and made the made the play. But without the secondary, without without their star defensive player Henderson, it became much easier to do. Um, yeah, we're going to talk. About, I'm sure we're going to talk about Jones tonight. Uh, you know, of course, he's going to redshirt. That Emory Jones guy is going to be redshirted. And uh, he's going to play him a couple more games. And um, So, yeah, Mike um, worked longer and harder in practice. Um, Ramon says he hates the way they lost. Hates the way. Well, yeah, because you think it's a winnable game, Ramon. You think you got it there. And you see that despite a terrible start, again, that this team hung in there. And got back in the game when it was 10 nothing, And and then 13-7 at halftime. And you come out and you come back and you answer and you're up 14-13. And you think, I, I, te I tweeted out, here come the Gators. Because I felt like at that point, this team was going to come together. And yeah, I know. I, I understand the interception, the fumble. Uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, Franks didn't have a great game. Today in the press conference, uh, Mullen refused to blame him. And refused, refused to say he played badly. He thought he played okay and didn't play great, made some mistakes. So, yeah, so uh, Eugene, 
Yeah, turnovers do have to be cleaned up. We understand that. Um, uh, what else we got here? Uh, yeah, it's real nice to hear from you again. Um, yeah, it, the fumble, obviously, and the turnovers, the, the pass interceptions, and so on. And so we go. Yeah, I think you're right here, Philip. If you take away anything, and I think it was Nat Blaylock, the uh, the mayor of Newberry, he talked about how what a impressive thing it was that Georgia's offensive line couldn't move Florida off that at one yard, and what the takeaway was. Uh, and uh, Philip mentioning this once again, you can build on that. Well, maybe so. Um, Yes, the penalty was a delay of game because he wouldn't leave the field. That's correct. And it's because of the knee guards, knee pads that weren't, he's supposed to have his knees covered. I don't know why they don't wear knee pads anymore. I'm, I don't get that. They don't wear knee pads. They all wear these kickers outfits. They wear these little, what I call, uh, uh, yoga pants look, you know, uh, and, uh, and so his knees were not covered. Well, I guess that's the rule. That's what you have to have, the proper equipment. And he didn't cover his knees. And he ran off. They told him to leave the field. He started to come off. And Mullen said, no, don't leave the field. Uh, you got to stay in. He goes back in. And Mullen doesn't call a timeout. The official calls to lay a game. It was kind of a crappy call, but it was probably the proper call. All right? Just like holding is a proper call, too, sometimes. But you don't have to call it every time unless it's blatant or affects the game. Um, yeah, Lynn says knee pad wasn't tuck. Yeah, I haven't seen it called all season. I haven't seen it called in years. I don't know if I've ever seen that call, by the way. Um, uh, what got Mullen ballistic was something else. No, no, Joe, if you didn't see the game, what got him Mullen was, was the inter, was the interference call. That's what got him. And I, I don't honestly know. I've yet to get a good look at that play. I watched the replay today. I watched that play two or three times and I can't tell. But Mullen did not think it was pass interference, and he went off, man. And I don't know. I have mixed motions about that. I like a fired coach, um, and I think it's good. But now that's two unsportsmanship by, by by Dan, and one cost him a good bit on on the uh, in the Vanderbilt game. And this one probably didn't cost him that much. But the fact is. Uh, there's a fine line between being a fired coach and then making hurting your team, and I, I think you had to watch that. Um, yeah, Kyle says he wasn't in the mood for a five bomb today. I can get that. Well, he's on to the big game this weekend, Alabama and LSU. That's the story. Here's the thing about it. I'm going to put it in perspective. I'm going to take a break and go talk to Graham. This was the big moment. This wasn't just another game. This is a moment when the eyes of the entire nation were on this Gator football team in a huge game. And this was the moment we've been waiting for it for years. And you you were just hoping for something. And you were hoping that they could hold it together and stay competitive, which they did, uh, and not embarrassing themselves, which they did not. And they would get at least an even break, which I don't know about that. If you call the injury a bad break, that's, that's certainly one. The calls were, eh, you know. Nothing terrible, but not, but not a great officiating game. Uh, and so, but you have it right there in your hand in the big moment, in the big game. All eyes on Florida, Georgia. Florida is coming back. It's set up for the, for the kill shot, and Florida couldn't get the job done. And I don't know how else you say it. It hurts to hear it that way, 
but it's not terrible. There's no shame in it. And a number of people said they didn't feel quite so bad about this loss. They were competitive. They had a chance, had a shot, uh, and they didn't get it done. So uh, it's unfortunate. I kind of bought into the fairy tale a little bit, I admit. I got a little bit too optimistic because I felt like this team was good enough to beat Georgia. And I felt like, and I think, still think they were, but they didn't do it. So what can you say now? Shut your mouth, take your medicine, and move on. Uh, but I still think this team could play them pretty even if they had all the, everybody they should have had, but they didn't. So let's move on. All right. So let's, let's just wrap this up the final comments and then we'll take a break. Um, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about five bomb tonight. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael, uh, I'm going to do this. Israel, Mike, uh, hello down there and Mike in Tampa. Thanks for your kind words. Thank you, Kyle, for the comments on that. There's John Phillips from Jacksonville. We have, uh, by the way, uh, we have our, most of our listeners and viewers in Gainesville, Ocala, and Jacksonville, followed by Orlando and then Tampa. But we have the third most around of Jacksonville. I always have been. Uh, and thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Steve. Appreciate the kind words. Um, We'll get into the to the to the Brad Stewart thing with Graham tonight as well. We'll stop it right there for a second, uh, and we'll talk more about the game, and then we'll move on forward to Missouri, which you got to get on to Missouri because how you respond to this is so critical. And we'll talk about Emory Jones. We'll talk about uh, you think you had a bad day, all right, or a bad weekend. Well, when you look at what happened to the state of Florida and the state of Texas and the entire Pack 12, uh, and then the city of Cleveland, maybe your day wasn't quite so bad after all. We'll talk about that next with our friend Graham and other folks, France Beard, the Iron Dukes coming along. First, this message from Daniel Tower. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. Uh, <clears throat> we'll tell you about uh, Red Star Medical Research. This week we'll have more players coming up with the Red Star Star of the Week. We're very proud of the work they're doing with the Scott Brantley Trophy, and we have a good group of people headed up um, by our team, the Ocala Quarterback Club, Todd Duffy being the main person, Chad Rich. We're doing a wonderful job of canvassing the six-county area to find the right player to eventually win the award. Meanwhile, that's one of the many things that Red Star does in the community. They're very deeply involved here. They're known mostly as a high-quality patient-centered clinical research facility. Uh, they bring out cutting-edge technology uh, to the trials in places like uh, Ocala and the area for fibromyalgia, migraine, osteoarthritis, Alzheimer's disease, psoriasis. They do these studies, and they ship off the information uh, from these trials to the pharmaceutical and biomedical companies, and that is, they allows them to treat these these uh, these diseases that we have in our community. Um, these clinical research 
studies are regulated by the FDA and safety is closely monitored. You can get involved in these and be take part in them if you'd like. Uh, you can uh, call Rentstar Medical Research at 352-629-5800, or you can go downtown to their offices in Ocala, or you can go online at uh, www.rentstar.net and check out the information. Rentstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. One more message to you uh, here from our friends at Mark's Prime. Um, i got another picture of a big steak today I want to use, too. Mark's Prime, of course, is a wonderful restaurant in Ocala and Gainesville. I'll probably be being back back there soon for another one of those delicious steaks or perhaps fresh seafood. Uh, and they've got, they change their menu from time to time with some other items, but uh, you can't go wrong with good seafood and great steaks. And, of course, if you like wine, they have premium wines, um, and they have uh, terrific vegetables. I mention all the time the sautéed spinach is my favorite. So um, they'll fix it the way you like it. They want you to have a unique dining experience, and they want you to have your palate be pleased, and they want your soul to be soothed, if I can say that right. So it's all good stuff. Check out one of the best restaurants in Florida, Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood, two locations to serve you, Ocala. Call 352-402-0097. Gainesville, 352-336-0077. And they have complimentary valley parking. Go to MarksPrimesTakeHouse.com and check it out. You will be glad that you did. I'm going to call now our friend Graham and check in with his uh, take on things uh, on the press conference today. There wasn't a lot of news out of it, but there was some. and certainly is worth talking about. Um, And... Uh, you know, th- this is the thing. You got to plant your foot and look down the schedule and say, all right, eight down, four to go. And, uh, <clears throat> uh you got to stay focused, correct the mistakes that you made and try to get those fixed up. And, uh, you're gonna, you know, your secondary is going to have a challenge with a dew lock coming to town, but you're back in the stadium, you're back on home turf and this team can, has a chance to catch his breath maybe and, and, uh, make hay. Let's see if we've got Graham. I believe we got Mr. the Minister of Information. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I don't see you yet. Oh, there you are. How are you, Graham? Good. How are you doing? All right, my man. Good to good to talk to you again, and uh, trust that uh, you've gotten over the uh, uh, the big loss on Saturday, and that uh, things are going well for you, my friend. Sure, definitely. We just uh, spoke to Dan Mullen and some several Gators. We spoke to Mullen this morning. We spoke to Todd Grantham tonight after practice. Uh, just about how that Monday practice was after, you know, a season-defining loss. Um, the guys said it was a lot more intense, you know, comparing it to last season's, you know, loss, how they, you know, came out after that game in practice. You know, Jawan Taylor, guys like that, said that this practice was a lot more intense. Guys seemed a lot more motivated, knowing that they could still win double-digit games, going to a good New Year's Six Bowl. Um, my column this week for Gatorade Magazine is all about how you know, how they respond in this final month of the season will determine um, probably the long-term future of what Dan Mullen's trying to instill. I mean, there's a lot of guys on on, on that team that are underclassmen that um, could use some long-term benefit from seeing, you know, uh, the team battle to the end of the schedule, and we're going to see how that all plays out. So hope you're doing well, buddy. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, and just putting things in perspective, going back and looking at uh, what was, uh, where this whole program came from, uh, reminding folks that we are uh, about on schedule, really, to be honest, where we thought they would be. I thought this team would be uh, six and uh, 
It would be 6-2, and two, but I thought their loss would be to somebody else and not to Kentucky, obviously. That would be LSU. I had him down to lose to Georgia. So when you put those projections in perspective, you realize that uh, that really they're not really behind schedule and they've been very competitive in these games, particularly this one, when you're down only, uh, you know, uh, 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 seven, six points at half, seven points, six points at halftime, and you're in the game with, uh, with 10 minutes to go, uh, you know, with a chance to win it. Uh, you're competitive. I don't know your take on this. I don't think it necessarily was any one thing. Uh, some people want to blame it on Frank. Some people want to blame it on different you know, people, the offense or the defense or whatever. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, the first half, really, of course, the way they started was uh, a big, big, issue to start off in the hold again. Uh, the turnovers, of course, were terrible. The biggest thing to me of all was the, it was the injury to C.J. Henderson. When that happened, I said, that's going to change the dynamics of everything. I guess a passer like Fromm, I told the guy sitting next to me in the press box. And sure enough, it did. And and, and, and for, poor Mac Williams, he just got worn out, you know. And, and let's face it, uh, he had some awfully good receivers he was trying to cover. And Fromm was on his game and played pretty good. Uh, and so in the end, when they had to have a play, I think the other thing was they couldn't get explosive plays. I noticed that Felipe Franks made a comment about maybe they tried too hard for the explosive plays. Now he only had two over 20 yards. They didn't get the, he overthrew the receiver. That was a mistake in the first half. I mean, there's a lot of things that added up, but to be in the game against a top five team or so, uh, late in, uh, in, in, in the game as they were, was, it was certainly not embarrassing. It was a difficult, tough loss. But uh, you, you don't that, – that's not one that you're going to go back and hang your head over too long. Yeah, it shouldn't be at all because if you're at the Florida program, uh, and, and, you know, Jawan Taylor said it, you know, as well, you, they have to remember that this is a team, uh, while they did lose a lot, you know, they faced a team that was, a, you know, a play away from the national championship, um, you know, winning a national championship. And they have to think that, uh, you know, they are close enough, whatever drop-offs people want to say about Georgia – uh, your point about the big plays is very interesting as well. I, I thought about that a lot. You know, after they, after he overthrows Van Jefferson, it does seem like Florida um, tries to go away from the big play. Where if I'm Florida and if I'm Dan Mullen, you know, I take solace and, and a little bit of um, optimism in seeing that the play was open. You know, while you have a quarterback who struggles with consistency issues, you know, if the play is open, that means they're still he's going to hit one of them. I mean, Felipe has plenty of deep threat ability. You know, you don't see them going. Um, deep as often to Tyree Cleveland, which I think is kind of a mistake. Um, that is something that's very interesting to me. And then, you know, your point about the defensive backs, that clearly was the biggest factor in the game. Dan Mullen said it as well, uh, as well as the turnovers. But um, Dan Mullen said, you know, back in um, right when they lost Marco Wilson, that if you had asked him um, at the beginning of the season what was the strongest part of the team, he would have said the two corners. So they're playing the hardest game of their schedule against Georgia missing the factor that Dan Mullen said was the most important to the team. Like you said, the fact that they were six points down heading into the fourth quarter, still had a realistic shot there with, you know, nine, ten minutes left, um, you know, should pretty much say it all. They were, you know, this is a team that, you know, needs some more depth. They need to develop, you know, quarterback a little bit better. The offensive line still has a way to go. The running backs were great. Um, this is a team that is not all, all there, but the coaching put them in a very good position to win. And if you're Florida, you have to take a lot of solace in that, that this is a game that you could possibly win um, once, you know, two years down the line, if you have a lot better pieces, if Dan Mullen, you know, gets some depth in there and they have, you know, a quarterback 
um, who's not making those critical mistakes. I'm not trying to put it all on Felipe Franks, but you know he did fumble on the goal line, although they did just you know hold him to three points, and he threw a bad interception and he overthrew you know Van Jefferson. That's a huge point swing right there that we can talk about um, that that you can absolutely credit and say that gave you know may not it didn't seal the game, but it gave Georgia a much better chance to win. So if I'm Florida, you look at all the little things, you look at the opportunities you had, and you look and say, hey, we have, if we work as hard as we did over the next 365 days, there's a good chance we could be the team um, that's you know subverting those expectations and being the one to beat in the SEC East. Yes. Let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, you were at the press conference today. I want to ask about that. Then I want to talk about the, the quarterback situation. The first place people like to go is quarterback, and they always want to say, well, it's league pay, get him out of there, whatever. You know, it, it just doesn't – I don't see any – that's a typical reaction of most people. Uh, but the realistic thing is I think you do have to be honest uh, about this and say now the position is open, but someone's got to step up, and right now there's nobody to step up. Uh, if there was somebody who could do it better than Felipe, they'd be playing him. Uh, yeah. And I think Felipe's had moments. Uh, it was pretty ugly. Fumble the ball. That, the fumble down there in the one darn time was a killer. Taking care of the football, it was a terrible interception. He didn't see the guy, and he threw the ball right to him. But that happens to quarterbacks. But being loose to the ball down on your own goal line is not a good thing. And if he's going, if he's going to run the football, he's got to take care of it. So I, I, I don't criticize over. I don't say I don't put the blame on on Felipe. I think that was just one of several things. Uh, I don't see any reason whatsoever to make any changes there. In fact, Mullen said he wasn't going to. He said outright he's going to play uh, Emory Jones in two more games. He's going to redshirt him because of the four-game rule. So there's that. And then there's what was said today in the press conference. I saw some of your tweets. Was there one thing that, that stood out? Take the last one first. Oh, man, if there's one thing that stood out, I you know, I, I do think um... – you know, Dan Mullen's message about avoiding hanging your head is, is something that, you know, and I kind of said this earlier, is is going to define really how, you know, whether it's kind of a facade or if this program really has turned some corners. Um, because, you know, my column right now is that I'm writing right now actually is all about how, uh, you know, Missouri has kind of been a pretty good barometer of where Florida actually is at. You know, Florida may have a winning season. They may be, you know, pulling out big games against other opponents. But since Missouri joined the SEC in 2012, you know, it's even. They're 3-3. Three and three, um, And both games, you know, are either ones that, you know, the team came back in the second half, that 2012 game, or they were blowouts. Um, and, and you wouldn't think that Missouri would be a team that, you know, would kind of tell you where Florida is at. But I think they've done a good job replacing Vanderbilt in the sense where how Florida plays – uh, Missouri really does tell you where they're at, not just that season, but 18 months, two two years down the line. Um, that big loss to Missouri in 2014 kind of put one of the final nails in the coffin for Muschamp's tenure. And and then you know that that game, you know, while he did McElwain did have winning games against uh, Missouri in his first two years, you know, the speech that he gave prior to uh, you know the Georgia game pretty much gave them no chance to win that game last year. So this Missouri game, I think a lot of people, you know, look at it in the schedule and don't really play it up. But I think Dan Mullen deserves a lot of credit for coming out today, saying you got to take Missouri seriously, not hang your head. Credit for how they've been in every single game besides that Alabama game. They've been, you know, they were able to put points on Alabama early. This is a team that, you know, or Georgia, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, this is a team that, you know, if Florida takes Missouri seriously, 
it's going to help them in two years down the line, and it's going to go a long way to instilling that culture that Mullen has talked about. So I thought that that was really refreshing, you know, harping on Missouri being a, an, an opponent that's capable of beating Florida, you know, when a lot of people and a lot of the focus is on how the season-defining loss and being out of it in the East and, and Georgia and what can you take away from that. You know, you got to remember that, you know, Florida is still trying to land some recruits. How they go about, the, you know, their business in the next four weeks is going to go a long way to getting those guys. And, you know, they could win 10 games and play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Dan Mullen, you know, he deserves credit for coming out today and harping on that message is, is my point. Okay, the quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and your point, obviously, you know, if, if someone was better than Felipe Franks, they'd be playing. You know, Kyle Trask, I think one of the best things Dan Mullen did was not write off Kyle Trask, um, even though it was so clear from an outside perspective that, you know, that he wasn't, you know, his limitations for running the offense. You know, I talked to Dan Mullen today about Felipe Franks evolving as a runner and asked Dan Mullen if, if, you know, as more Felipe evolves as a runner, does that give him more wrinkles that he can do on offense? And, and Dan Mullen, you know, said the obvious answer, which, yeah, obviously, you know, the more of a running quarterback that Dan Mullen has, the more things he can do on offense, which increases Florida's ceiling on offense. So absolutely to say that their offensive success hinges on Felipe's progression, I thought that was very interesting as well. And that's one of the things why you're going to keep seeing Emory Jones for two more games, um, because he does, I think, give Florida a better chance um, to run the football. If he can throw the ball like he did on that play that was, you know, they needed defensive pass interference to stop that from being a touchdown, in my opinion. I mean, if he can throw the ball like that, then, you know, come next year, we're going to have no discussion about who should be the quarterback for Florida because at the end of the day, it's whichever guy hangs onto the football and shows a willingness to run that speed option, run option, and, you know, and it does the read option a lot better. And right now, from those three, four plays that we've seen of Emory Jones, I think his long-term potential in doing those things is much higher than Felipe Franks's, and I think Dan Mullen uh, sees that too. Yes. Um, well, all said and done, and you think about, as I said, where this all started and where it is now, and then you look at, you put things in perspective when you see some of these things happening. Look at this as one of the worst weeks in history for football in the state of Florida. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable what has happened to the professional teams as well as the college. Mark Long tweeted today First that, uh, yeah. yeah. Since 1995, all three Florida NFL teams, the state's three most prominent college teams, lost on the same weekend. And uh, and then the other thing was that, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough weekend. But here's the other thing. All the ranked teams in Florida and the state of Texas lost. All the favored teams in the Pac-12 lost. But the city of Cleveland topped it all. They fired their offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, and head coach Hugh Jackson, and NBA championship coach Ty Lue all on yep. the same week weekend. Yeah. So I guess when you think about that and then you think on the buyer note, as I said, Mullen has says CJ Henderson has no structural damage, expects him to play Saturday against Missouri. So that's a little bit of good news, right? Yeah, and, and you know, back to your point real quick, I've always said this before, the best job in the world is getting fired in sports because all these guaranteed contracts, I mean Ty Lue's walking out of here with you know, $15 million. And I joked earlier that, you know, it's not Megan Kelly money, but that's, you know, great thing to do. Getting fired six <laughs> Megan games Kelly in. Megyn Kelly money, yeah, that's pretty million. good. That is, that is insane. Um, you know, and that's just the coaching carousel, you know, goes around in, in all sports. I mean, it seems that more coaches get fired in college football every mm -hmm. single year. 
Um, and, 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 you know, they're, and while the contracts are paying them out more, which, you know, those two trends don't certainly <laughs> seem to work out very often, but lo and behold, here we are. So, um, you know, I'm very interested to see how this week plays out. Um, like you said, buddy, how Florida attacks, you know, practice this week will determine, you know, how they beat, um, or how they play Missouri. You know, I keep thinking about that, what, 42 to 13 game when, you know, Missouri jumped out to a 42 to zero lead and, and everyone is sitting in the stands watching that game and the rain is coming down um, and it's homecoming in Florida. And I mean, if you didn't think that you were watching Will Muschamp's funeral, you were sitting there with rosy glasses on. And, you know, this this game has historically, you know, I don't want to say they're like, a, you know, a, a doormat or anything like that. But there is this connotation for some reason that you don't lose to Missouri. You don't lose to Missouri when, you know, they've played Florida even since they've been in the SEC. And, and this is another one of those, you know, one of those things. And it's one of those testaments that every single week there are no cupcake games in the SEC. And, and Florida finally seems to have a coach that understands that when it comes to their preparation. If you're not careful, you lose a game like that. Next time you're Vanderbilt or you're, you know, one of these mediocre teams, the middle of the pack, Texas A&M, now it's dropped a notch. And all of a sudden yeah. things change. And so you got to distinguish yourself. You got to be a cut above. You got to be in that nine win area at least. You know, yeah. by the end of the year. So if you get anything worse than that. And, and again, by the way, it's funny that nine, eight was the number and nine was the number that most of us picked that they would win. So we'll see how it turns out. So interesting. Uh, what's the, what's the last thing? What was the deal with, uh, with Brad Stewart? I can never figure it out. Uh, and apparently he's in some kind of trouble. I, what's going on there? Anything news in that situation with Brad Stewart? I mean, if you do some, if you, if you guys do some internet sleuth, then I, I can pretty much confirm that, you know, most of the rumors that you've heard are, are, uh, are pretty accurate. He was on scout team um, last week for an internal disciplinary issue. Um, Brian Edwards, I've been told as well. Um, today, well, that's not the case for Daryl Slayton. He did play late in the game against Georgia. Um, but, you know, Dan Mullen, you got to read between the lines with him, unfortunately. He, he said that we're going to get some – he wanted to use some DBs. He couldn't use some DBs. Um, I, you know, that, that tells me that – if they weren't able to play, it wasn't his call, and it came, came down to a university issue. Could be. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, yeah, that that should pretty much tell you guys what you want to do. Usually involves breaking the law. I don't like to make any references or rumors. Yeah, but I mean, this. he's a 19-year-old kid, and at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, under Urban Meyer, let's just say this, mm-hmm. he would have been probably uh, putting a boot on the sidelines, and, and then they would have come out and afterwards, and Meyer would have said, oh, he, he got hurt in the warm-up. Whatever. Coach different tactics. Whatever, but they don't. They're not not very forthcoming about things like. All right, listen. Thank you. Good job. Appreciate it. I hope we will catch up again later in a week, and uh, we'll watch your stuff uh, again on Gator Bait and the Gainesville Sun. He's everywhere. He's a minister of information. He's uh, he's he's our team member too here at the GNK. Just remember that. He's the minister. Always good being here with you, buddy, in in the GNK and and catching up. And we'll uh, we'll talk hopefully Thursday or I'll. uh, Sounds good. I like that. That'd be good. Homecoming and anyone traveling into Gainesville, drive safe, and you guys have a good weekend. Thanks a lot, Graham. Take care. Thanks Appreciate your time. I'll take care. All right, Graham Hall, the Minister of Information, checking in there as he does every week, at least once, sometimes uh, other times. <clears throat> uh, and uh, good to have Graham. And one of the things I like about this program, and I look, I take little or no credit as the host. Well, I'm really proud of this program for what it represents, and that is we try to get the best information we can right from the 
source. And when you got people like that, and you got people like Zach Albaverde, and you got Edgar uh, uh, Edgar Thompson, and you got Mark Long, and you got Chris Storing, you got people right there at the source. It's as fresh and close to the source as you can get it. And so that's where I learn a lot. And then I try to pick up what I can to go to a press conference, go to a ball game. So I, I like that we have that. And we have some also very informed uh, members who do keep us informed on things like that. So we're going to talk to the Iron Duke in a minute. I'll see if I can get this on and get going here on running behind on some of my spots. Let's see if I can. I want to try to put this up. Well, it's just not going to be one of those days when I can do it. I want to tell folks about Grinders for Men, which is a place I've long been attached to and known uh, the owner and the original founder and the people down there who've owned it. And they do a terrific job in Ocala and Gainesville. I could just add that to the spot because I know uh, David DeSantis, who is one of the hotchos behind uh, the uh, the Ocala Gator Tip-Off Club, does a terrific job. By the way, they are... They're out and about now. They've had their first meeting last week, and there will be information posted here on this particular site um, about the tip-off club. I am a member of that. Uh, we're going to get Mike McGinnis, the former referee and official and also instant replay official, to come on and talk with us a little bit about that uh, at some point uh, and uh, tell you about that program if you're in the Ocala, Gainesville area. It's unique. There are not many clubs that have this kind of uh, access to the coaching staff, uh, and uh, Coach Mike White was here, will be here once a year, if not more. His coaching staff comes down for, for breakfast, and you get straight talk right from the coach. And if you like basketball, uh, there's no better information than that. And this club has been a staunch supporter of the basketball program now for a long time, and they have the respect of the administration there. And uh, I just wanted to say that Griner's, uh, is, is, has been longly involved in it because Augie Griner founded the club and he also founded the story. And, and the story. And David DeSantis is very big in that right now. He's carried that program on. So let's see if we can get this information up. Tell you that's about Griner's. Uh, let you know that uh, if you if you need any kind of advice on you, some of you people like me who struggle to know what to wear. Well, this is where you go right here. Griner's for men. There's a location right there. Also, you can go online. And find them at glidersforman.com. And uh, they're they are a longtime supporter of sports here. And we're talking about lineups and, and, and basketball and football. Well, how about your fall lineup for sports and for clothes? Uh, I, I encourage you to drop by uh, and see David and Brandon and the gang at Grinders for Men uh, at Ocala Tradition since 1962. Uh, and it's a traditional shop, but at the same time, maybe it's a new look for you. Uh, you don't ever have to worry about being out of step. Whether you're older or younger, uh, they'll take care of your style or your fashion. Just go in there and tell them what you want and say, I want an outfit, I want a co- suit, or I want a coat, or whatever I want, and, t- and match me up. Because guys are not good at matching ties or matching things, and they can do it for you. So the Grinders is dedicated to delivery the highest quality in men's clothing. Uh, check out some of their new long-sleeve shirts for the fall, crisp weather. I'm going to go see if I can get a David to get me a, a windbreaker as well. So check them out. Go to Ocala, Ocala's Tradition, Grinders for Men, 405 East Silver Spring Boulevard in Ocala. Telephone 352-69-3195, Grinders. And check out also Ocala Gator Tip-Off Club. Let's do this, and then we'll see if we can talk to our buddy, Brand Spirit, the Duke, the Iron Duke.
beard and see what's going on. Let me just tell you real fast about Tupperware if you haven't, you don't know about it. Tupperware is something that, uh, uh, go to go to Tupperware Jen on Facebook and 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 check out Jen's uh, stuff. She's got. They have these parties. Uh, they can set up a party for you uh, to do a fundraiser. Forty percent of the funds can go back to you. Uh, also, some very nice items. I'm going to put some new ones up this week. And Tupperware uh, uh, has. If you need items for Christmas presents, they got them there. Or if you just need some containers, one of the things I find I'm always looking for a container of some kind that I can use to put my food in it. And it's difficult to uh, sometimes to locate that. And you got a nice Tupperware set. You always got that. And then, of course, if you need those things for your aunt, uncle, or whatever for Christmas, you also can get these fruit trays. Uh, have this. Uh, they have these uh, utensils you can get. Uh, I encourage you to go to Tupperware and uh, check it out. And Jen Lay, I'll tell you more about this project later. But Jen Lay does a terrific job. Uh, and, and setting up an organization for you and also tell you where to get your goods. Just go to Genlay, uh, go to Tupperware Gen on, on Facebook Live and check out her information. She'll be able to tell you what you need to have. All right. And I'll give you more of the information on that tomorrow night. Meanwhile, I guess we've got to get a hold of the Iron Duke before he goes to bed. He's probably wondering what happened to us. And we got a little bit behind as we are wont to do sometimes on this program. We get caught up in talking about what else. Get her foot. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. And where are you, Franz Beard? We're coming to get you right now. Franz is getting excited because basketball season is coming also. This is a terrific uh, time of the year, by the way. Uh, and naturally, it was. The World Series is over. But when you got all the stuff going on at one time, you have, the, uh, you have obviously college football, you have pro football. Uh, you have uh, even had a little bit of golf. Uh, uh, you've got uh, basketball starting. Uh, and it's, it's one of those uh, times of the year when you got a lot of things happening that uh, at one time. But yet here we are in the heart of college football season, which we waited for all season. And it's here and it's almost gone. What has happened to it? Where has it gone? Let's go talk to the Iron Duke and see if he can tell us. France, where has football season gone, my friend? Uh, too fast. It really has. We we talked about this a bunch of all summer, and then when we finally get here, it's over before we know it. Time flies when you're having fun. I guess. Fun. I guess, France. How are you, my friend? Uh, it's a good day here in paradise. That's good. It's good to know. Um, and I the world the sun did come up this weekend, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Okay. Uh, you know, here, here's the you know a couple takeaways that I think people need Please. to understand. With ten minutes left to go in the game, it was a twenty-three to seventeen game, and it was right. anybody's game. Right. And Florida just you know kind of wore out a bit, and which happens. Uh, you know, the Gators gave seventeen points away. That you know, this is a game that. You can look at it and say Florida probably should have been ahead uh, 
17 to 17 to 10, 17 to uh, something like that, uh, you know, with 10 minutes to go. Instead, they were trailing. Um, they, they, they could have easily won this game, yes. but they didn't. And that's, a, that's a, you know, call it a growing pains game, if you will. Mm. Uh, not everything's always going to go perfectly. And, you know, when you have, well, when you've had players, you know, for example, like what Nick Saban's got. He's got guys that have been around for three years and have had the advantage of good coaching and they've progressed there. When you have that, you can have a bad game and people will still come through for you. Uh, you know, Florida's not at that point yet. We're not at that point where we can overcome our mistakes simply because we're better coached than everybody else. Mm -hmm. That will happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And that's one of the growing pains you got to go through. And so we sit here, we wait for the Gators to have, uh, you know, another year of good coaching, another year of good recruiting to fill some holes. Uh, another thing, uh, another take on this, Florida plays, you know, three quarters of the game without uh, – Starting cornerback. Well, that was uh, to me that was the biggest play in the game for Florida right there. That was worse than the turnovers. That when that happened at that moment, I turned to the guy next to me for Tampa and said, "This is going to be a problem because with no depths." And Mac Williams uh, is a nice kid and and plays his heart out he's and sometimes a makes a play, but he just can't compete with he, those receivers. He's, he's a safety, buddy. I know he he's is not a corner. Yeah. And, and there's a reason why guys, some guys are safeties and some guys are corners. Now you have some safeties that are that can play anywhere. You know, Reggie Nelson could have played anywhere on the field. Reggie Nelson could have been a middle linebacker if he'd wanted to, even at 190 pounds, just because he was that great of a football player. But most guys who are safeties are safeties because that's where they can play. Most guys who are corners are corners because that's who they can play. Florida does not have enough true corners uh you know thanks to you know poor recruiting before uh dan mullen got here and some injuries you know but but again you look at these things like that and you add it all together and you say wow we could have won this game anyway could have you know you take away those turnovers you take away those silly mistakes Florida still could have won the ball game. It's like the Kentucky game. Florida still could have won that ball game. Florida's maybe five plays away from being 8-0 right now. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. If anybody had told me that Florida would be five plays away from 8-0 right now, I could have, you know, uh, I, you know, if somebody said six and two, I could have believed it. But if they'd said six and two and only maybe five plays away from being eight, no, I wouldn't have believed that. Mm -hmm. But that's where we are. Yeah, I, I agree with the France, pretty much about everything you said. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm really tired of the same old critics every time just waiting to pounce on on somebody when something may make a mistake. That's just not, you know, kosher to me, uh, the way that's being done. But, but I will say that the truth of the matter is looking objectively that there's there's no doubt this team is about a half a dozen players away from being at a level to compete with the big boys. They could play. They could compete. 
But when you go get to depth and lose a player or two, uh, and then they're, they're going to be in trouble. And I will say this. I've defended Franks all the way. I still see no need to make any changes there. And for those people who keep saying, they're going, are you going to play Emory Jones? He said today, if you didn't hear it, he's going to play him two more games and then pull him. He's not going to burn his red shirt. So the idea of putting Emory Jones into play right now with this many games is, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Stop saying it. Okay. Well, if, if somebody was I'll better, say, if somebody's I'll better than him, put him in. Right now, nobody's better. I like the way they used him. We saw that he can throw the long ball, which is something I didn't know. That was encouraging. But and I'll say this, I'll let you talk. I will say this. They've got to upgrade the position. Either Franks has got to get a lot better at some things by next year, or they've got to find a grad transfer, or Emory Jones has to step up or whatever, because the teams that are going to be there at the end are the teams of the QBs. Look at them. Joe Burrow, obviously. Look at look at Fromm played his best game of maybe of the year. Uh, you know the the Tua, uh, the quarterbacks, the elite quarterbacks. You have to have one to get to that level. Now, can, how much better can Franks be? I don't know yet, but he hasn't played terrible. Okay, I wanted to say that. Go ahead. He's had ten. You know, it takes more than ten months and a great exorcist to get the demons out that were left behind by Old Yeller and Numbnutsmeyer. Uh, where Franks is compared to where he was is like the distance from here to Pluto. But it also is evident that there's from here to Pluto further to go before he's an elite quarterback. Right now, he is a guy that's capable of making an elite play or two every ball game, but he's not capable of having an elite ball game where he doesn't make mistakes, where he makes all the right reads, he makes all the right decisions, he makes all the right throws. We saw in this ball game, for example, he makes two costly blunders. Uh, the overthrow of Van Jefferson, who had his guy beat by 15 yards, and then the interception. We saw those two bad, bad throws. And then yet, on the first drive of the third quarter, he makes an elite throw. He made a throw to that, that touchdown pass to Freddie Swain was a throw there may not be yeah. 10 quarterbacks in the country. It was a heck of a throw. throw. Unfortunately, he couldn't make that throw with the old game, play of the game. But that was, uh, that was a different kind of throw. You're right. He, but that's the, see, that's the difference between a Tua mm-hmm. and a Felipe Franks. Well, Tua is one of the most accurate passes I've ever seen in college football. Uh, he is, uh, I, I'm about of the opinion Buddy, uh, you know, I've long held, and you've heard me say it, that Archie Manning is the greatest college quarterback. Archie Manning and Roger Staubach are the two greatest college quarterbacks I have ever seen. I'm about of the opinion that they need to move over, that we've got, that, that maybe maybe the guy that is going to go down as the greatest is right now at Alabama. Well, Archie couldn't make that throw. Some of the throws this kid's making, I can tell you that. No, Archie couldn't make that throw. Uh, Neither could Roger, and Roger had a great arm. You know, Archie was the greatest improviser I've ever seen. I mean, Archie could, goodness, uh, Archie was a 
Archie was a thoroughbred with Secretariat playing with five donkeys. I mean, with ten donkeys mm -hmm. out there. And, you know, goodness, if he'd had good, if he played with good people, if Archie Manning had gone to Alabama, well, of course, Alabama didn't even recruit him. Alabama didn't even recruit him. Archie only had two major college football scholarships, mm -hmm. and that was Mississippi State and Ole Miss. He was better known as a basketball player and a baseball player coming out of Drew, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look what happened. It happened. But my point is this. Tua is, I think he's going to go down as the greatest college quarterback of all time. I mean, he, he can do things that nobody else does. He's got the touch. He's got the decision-making. He's got the accuracy. <laughs> and he's a... And he's a tremendous scrambler, too. I mean, he really is. Uh, but my point is this. Tua is a consistent, makes the consistent play, the big play consistently. Franks can do it occasionally, but he can't do it consistently. The difference between Alabama and being, uh, being Alabama and Florida at the quarterback position is their quarterback makes every throw every time. And our guy can do it some of the time. Mm -hmm. And Jake Fromm is a great, Jake Fromm is a fine college quarterback. He's going to go down as a great one. He is not in Tua's league. He is not even, you know, he can't even, you know, he doesn't even sweep up the gym floor after Tua. Mm -hmm. But he's a fine quarterback. And he's certainly mm -hmm. more, far more consistent than, than Felipe. But Felipe, where he is, and where he was, two different things. Now, I do believe this. I believe that quarterback competition in the spring is going to be fierce because we've also got Jalen Jones coming from Henrico High School in Richmond, Virginia, and he is a real, real deal. And he throws He's the like, ball well, too. He really oh throws gosh, the ball yeah. well. Emory Jones, that, that deep ball he throws. And then there's another play. Let, let's go back to to different making plays. If that ball is caught and there's not the interference, that's a touchdown. Mm. And it's a different ball game at that point. Florida takes the lead. Wow. You know, instead yeah. of getting the field goal, you know, a lot of stuff changed and hinged. But he showed me something there and, and I believe that our uh, I believe that the that when we get to the spring, we're going to have fierce competition because Jalen Jones will be here in the spring as well. Yes, that is true. Um, well, all right, France, where do we go from here? Well, first things first is we got got to avoid the hangover from a loss. Hmm. You know, and, and that means that means exercising what happened last week, putting it putting it in the garbage can, throwing the film away, focusing on Missouri and going out there and turning Drew Locke ordinary. Now, that can be done because through four SEC games, he has only thrown for 732 yards and one touchdown in four SEC games. He's thrown for 1,412 yards and 15 touchdowns in non-SEC games. Florida's got to make him an SEC quarterback again, <laughs> at least for the way this year goes. Yeah. He's only averaging 5.34 yards uh, a pass attempt in SEC games. 
And so Florida has got to got to keep him under. If if he can't throw the ball deep down the field, they can't win. I I do believe that this ball game coming up uh, and a couple ball games that are coming up in in, in down the stretch uh, are going to determine whether Barry Odom is going to be there next year. I I believe that people expected this to be an eight-win team at least. They won seven ball games last year. I think people thought eight or nine wins was the natural progression. But I think he made, I think Barry Odom made two hard, made a couple bad decisions in the offseason, one of which was hiring Derek Dooley as his offensive coordinator. And you said that all along. Yeah. He's horrible. He's horrible. He in, in the Kentucky game, they got a 14-3 to lead, and it's like he shut the offense down. That that was a game that, for one thing, it, it, it should have never been lost anyway because the Zebras made an, an incredibly inept call and called pass interference on Missouri at the two-yard line. And that gave uh, Kentucky an untimed down, and they scored a touchdown on it, but if that was pass interference, then, buddy, you and I need to petition for more eligibility yeah. and, and see if we that can. Was, that was a tough one. See if we can't play. That was, yeah. a, that was a, you know, uh, that was an absolutely horrendous call. Um, but Florida, Florida is going to be facing a team that's at a crossroads, and this is a kind of ball game that the Gators have to put all the bad memories and the sour taste out of their mouth, out of their heads. They've got to get, they've got to say, okay, we've got to do what beat Vanderbilt, what mm-hmm. beat LSU, what beat, uh, you know, Tennessee. We've got to do those things. What beat Mississippi state? We cannot allow, we cannot allow the hangover. Because yeah, I agree. Because then, then you become then you become Vanderbilt, and you become uh, and you can't afford to lose these games because you you go to the, you go to the middle of the pack or lower part of the pack. You've got to maintain, and losing these games right now is a difference in us. So it's going to be very critical they stay focused, as you say, to finish off their to finish the task because this is a time when it's dangerous for a team. They can start losing interest real easy. You've got to win the games you're supposed to win. And Florida's got four games they're supposed to win coming up in Missouri, South Carolina, Idaho, and FSU. Oh, my gosh. FSU is – FSU – What I a dumpster fire. Talk about Talk about having lost his ball club. I mean, he's even talking openly about his players quitting on him. Yes, he did. Uh and and they did. It was it was you know, Willie Taggart should be thanking the getting on his knees and thanking the good Lord tonight that Dabo didn't rub it in. Dabo could have Clemson could have scored a hundred. Well, it's bad enough as it was. <laughs> it didn't need to be much worse. No. As bad as it was, yeah. As bad as it was, Clemson, and that's with a P, by the way. I know, I know, I know. Clemson. So you like Clemson, to call. Clemson, as that's Dan Jenkins is the one who first noticed that. Mm-hmm. Clemson should have won, could have won that game by a hundred points yeah. easily, easily. Yeah. And, and by the way, did you happen to see what Clemson did there? Their second touchdown. 
He puts in his defensive line, lines them up in the I formation. He's got a 350-pound, he has a 350-pound fullback and a 360-pound tailback. Yeah. Amazing. All right, Francis, let me put this to bed here. I just want to go over this. Uh, how cl- I don't want to say well, should have, would have, could have, but I just went back and watched the replay today and, you, and just hit these real fast. And let's, let's talk about it before we say goodnight. All right, we know what happened. Obviously, Georgia went up ahead. Uh, Florida took the lead 14-13, as you pointed out, that great throw. Tony had that great return. Uh, and then uh, Georgia comes back and goes up 20-14. to And Felipe's fumble was a killer. That was one that you can't lose that ball down there. And despite that, out of that came one of the great defensive series in the history of Florida football. You know, and this is, they stopped them six times. They really stopped them nine times because there were times in the penalty that they stopped them as well. That that pass interference call was as bogus. Uh, And that's one of the things we're going to talk about. But you had Joseph was offside the first play. All right. Then Zaniga tackled Holyfield. Ankrum got, uh, and Joseph got him. Uh, then they call the, the, the back judge. This is the thing that bothers some people. The back judge called that interference on McWilliams. And even, even Danielson said, the back judge called that. And then they stopped from up the middle once, stopped about the middle twice. And then, uh, Holyfield stopped by Zaniga. And the quote from Danielson was, this is legendary defense. Seven plays and two penalties. Three penalties on this drive, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, field goal, Georgia goes up uh, uh, 23-14. Then McPherson kicks it. It's 23-17, to as you pointed out, with 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Okay, and the questions are asking, how is Florida still in this game with three overtimes, with three turnovers? And there you go, right there. And then I give credit to Jake Fromm. He came out. They couldn't seem to cover the tight end, whatever reason, not a. Uh, and Georgia took it in and scored. But that game was winnable. I'm not going to cry and whine and make excuses. That game was winnable. There was a series of events that happened right there, and there will be something that will take away uh, from that, as he says, legendary defense. That was remarkable. Oh, it, it was. And, again, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I made this point earlier. I, I you know, if you, you know, I, th- I don't think a, lo- I think a lot of people could have seen six and two coming. I think a lot of people could. Have, now they would have probably picked LSU and Georgia as the two losses, but a lot. Of I did. That's what I picked. I picked LSU and Georgia. I had them being six and two with losses of Georgia and LSU. Everybody, I think, would have picked six and. Uh, I think. Uh, I think it, nobody would have been surprised to have have heard six and two right. at this point. I think what the surprise is, though, as I said earlier, is that Florida is really one handful, five plays maybe, away from being 8-0. and oh. no. You think about that. Yep. This ball game right there, I think that goal line stand, as we say, was legendary, but I think it took so much out of the defense. It did. At the end of the game, they were gassed. They, they were absolutely gassed. The lack of depth showed up, and the, the emotion – the emotion mm-hmm. of that effort that it took down there. Yeah, I got a text from Terry Bradshaw watching the game, and he watched it, and he said after that goal line stand, he was so ticked off. He said, to see that happen and them get nothing out of it, he says, I'm going to the bar. 
That's what he said. <laughs> Even he was upset about it. And it takes something out of you when you do that. Francis, I got to go. I'm running behind. Great job as usual. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you on Friday, if not before, right? That's right. What's your next call? You got to call him up right now uh, on the uh, website, and you got one on the Facebook pages. I've got one on the way too. That's going to talk about uh, talk about avoiding the uh, avoiding the hangover, the the lost hangover. Yeah, that's so important. Back big. That's a great point, and that's one. Look forward to your stuff. Francis always does a great job on his columns. Be sure and check him out. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. Now. The Iron Duke, there he is once again, folks, doing his thing, writing, talking, does it all. <clears throat> okay, let's see if I can wrap this thing up tonight and get a couple of mentions in here. I want to be sure and say good evening to my friends uh, Tracy and Guess it's time again. Well, why are we doing that? <laughs> We're praying, praying the open too. Well, there we go. We're just going to do all kinds of things here. Oh, boy. It's going to be fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's so much fun. All right, folks, we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to say goodnight to you. We're going to also say thanks to CD4 for their sponsorship that happened to be tied into their, unfortunately, their ad. And thanks to Center State Bank for all their good stuff. Appreciate all the sponsors uh, tonight and appreciate you. Thank you very much for uh, coming aboard tonight. We had a good, healthy discussion. Nobody lost it. That's great. And uh, we're all still here. And we'll be here tomorrow and the sun will come up. So I'll say thank you for watching and listening. Tell your friends about us. Uh, and uh, let's see what happens. It's still got a making is a really good year and you sure don't want to miss out. Uh, here we are still in, in the ball game, still a chance to, to go, uh, 10 and two and go to a major the bowl game. And as Graham said, so I'll say good night to you. Uh, talk to you tomorrow night.